Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher. And we have a fun episode for you today. We're going to be going over holiday apps and gear to help you get in the spirit over this holiday season. We're also going to talk about follow-up to the M1 Max. We have the early benchmark tests and early reviews in which have swayed our uh, what we have to say about those Macs, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> also, I have just tested out Apple Fitness Plus with my Apple Watch this morning. It just released last night, and so I want to tell you all about that as well. So we have a fun, jam-packed episode for you. Yeah, and we really so, do. David and I haven't really been on an episode in a while doing our regular format, so happy to hang out with you, David. Yeah, I missed you. Donna's not in, in town anymore, so we're uh, this is our, our catch-up time. <laughs> It's true. I know. It was funny looking back, preparing for this episode. We realized pretty much all of our recent episodes have been about announcements. We haven't really done a lot of just normal episodes, so it's nice to get back on track. I know. Uh, having three fall announcements from Apple has been pretty nuts. Also, um, you know, we don't have a lot dedicated to this because we don't. We haven't tried them yet. But Apple also just came out with premium headphones with the AirPods Max over-ear headphones that are $550. It's been a wild, wild fall into winter for Apple. Apple really went for it, yeah. Yeah. All okay. right, before we get Can into I... the episode, um, we have a sponsor to tell you about. Yes, yeah, so today's sponsor is a sponsor that you're probably familiar with. It's GoBuddy. Uh, but they have a new product, and I'm really excited to tell you about it because it's a really cool product, uh, and it's just in time for the holidays. As always, it's a very affordable, great stocking stuffer. What it is, it's called the Case Buddy Crossbody Phone Lanyard. And how it works is it works, it's an accessory that works with a pop socket. So if you have a pop socket, it basically is a lanyard that goes across your body, as the name would imply, uh, and it clicks in. And so you can just have your phone securely strapped to you, which is really awesome for times when let's say you're on a hike or you're walking around the house but you don't have pockets. Let's say you wear pajamas all day for some reason and you don't have pockets. It's a really nice way just to keep your phone secure, safe, and easily accessible. Uh, it's really affordable. It's uh, normally $25, but right now they have it on sale because they just launched it for $15. We will link to it in the show notes if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast. That is right. Um, and we also have a daily tip that this is a one that's a special favorite of mine, and that's how to receive mail notifications for important contacts only. For those of you who don't know, we have a daily newsletter where we send you a one-minute tip that you can do something cool with every day, um, a one-minute iPhone tip. And you can go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips if you would like to sign up for that. Did I say daily tips? It's daily tip. <laughs> <laughs> Although probably either one would get you there. com slash daily tip. Yeah, it's, it's, it's singular. Okay, it's singular. So um, this tip allows you to only get notified of emails from contacts that are important to you. And if you're anything like me, you get tons of email in your inbox every day. So you don't want to be notified of every single email that comes in. So I think for most people, this is extremely useful. Do you have this set up, David? I do have this set up for a few people, yeah, and it is really nice because if, you, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know I have. Actually, I will give you a live update right now. I believe it's oh, 181,000 unread emails 
Uh, Just to give everyone listening some anxiety. (laughs) I get a lot of emails and um, I can't keep up. So yeah, I do use it and I do really enjoy the feature. Um, But I I would place the caveat, use it sparingly because notifications for emails are A, they can clog up your notifications, which is even more invasive, uh, and B, if you have too many of them coming in, then it sort of defeats the whole purpose. You want it to be a very select few people that you really want to make sure you don't miss. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I just set it up for, I went and got tested for COVID a few days ago, and so I set it up for the... um, the email address where they're gonna send me my results. Cause I didn't yeah. want, you know, they email you your results. And I didn't want that to get lost in a stream of emails. So that this is a good example of like a way that you might wanna use it. Um, so here's how you set it up. You open your mail app on your iPhone or your iPad. Um, you go to your, your mailboxes view, which is what the app opens to. So you should just be there. Um, and there's an inbox in your mailboxes that for VIP, your very important people. Um, mailbox and uh, so you tap on that and you'll have the option to add contacts there if you haven't added any before um, and then you you go and find a contact from there you can also just open your phone app and go to contacts or open the contacts app and when you get to a specific contact like from the list of options there add to VIP will be one of them so That's those are always ways. how I've done it, as I just go to the contact. Like when I have it, usually what happens to me is an email comes in that I've missed. I'm angry that I missed it. <laughs> and then I just tap on the, the name and, and do add VIP. <laughs> Right. So, that, so that's an easy way to do it. So that's like phase one of this tip is selecting who are your very important contacts. Once you have those contacts set up, you then want to make sure you have the notifications coming in for those VIP contacts. So back in the mail app from your mailboxes view, which is like the main, the main view, you'll tap the little info icon next to VIP. And I think this trips people up sometimes because you don't just tap VIP and go back into the list. You tap the little info icon and from there at the bottom, there'll be a button that says VIP alerts and you'll tap that. It'll take you to your notification settings for those contacts and from there you can make sure that you have your badges turned in, turned on for that um, and so that way you'll you'll actually see it pop up on your phone um, you also can tailor your privacy there i like to keep previews of my mail turned off that way it's not popping up on your screen with the actual content of the message in there it'll just show you who the sender is and that is how you do this <laughs> Um, so if you go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips, you can sign up and I highly recommend you do that because um, you'll get tips like this every day and they're extremely useful. I also wanted to tell you about um, our insider program. We have a premium subscription, iphonelife.com slash daily tips. That's how you sign up for our free newsletter. But if you really want to get the most out of your iPhone and you love your Apple devices and want to make sure that you're um, taking advantage of all the features that they have, you'll want to sign up for iPhone Life Insider. We have um, video guides that walk you through everything you need to know about 
your device, whether it's your iPhone, iPad, or Apple Watch. We have classes. Um, that's a new feature we've come out with where quarterly we hold live online classes where you have instructors who will lead you through any topic um, that we choose and you can come on live and ask your questions to us. So it's very interactive. Uh, we make sure nobody gets left behind or confused. And um, you also get a ton of other features with Insider. You get a premium version of this podcast with no ads and extra content. Um, you get a digital subscription to iPhone Life magazine and um, plus full access to our archive and video versions of our daily tips. So there's a lot there and for listening to this podcast, you get a discount. So go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount for, I believe, 10% off. Right, David? I believe it is 10%. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and a couple things real quick. Number one, uh, we are working on a AirPods guide, which I'm really excited about because a lot of you either have AirPods. As you can see, Don and I both have our AirPods in. We use them to record the podcast. Uh, and or you're going to get them for the holidays. And so it's a really great guide coming out soon. So if you're interested, make sure you subscribe. Uh, also, we just started doing, in addition to uh, classes, we started doing live monthly what workshops. What's the term we're using? I can never remember. Yeah, workshops. So you get to hang out with Donna and I monthly now. <laughs> yeah, we choose topics based on what um, insiders have been expressing to us that they want to know about. And with these workshops, you can come on and ask us questions about that topic and we will go in depth on it with you. So yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot in the insider. Um, I, and it's, it's a great deal. So iphonelife.com slash podcast discount is where you can go to sign up. All right. Should we talk about the M1? <laughs> yeah. Did you? We had a couple of comments from listeners. Oh yeah. Sorry. Too. Didn't mean to get ahead of us. Yeah. We haven't read any out. I don't think in a, a couple episodes, so we can pick a couple. Um, thanks everyone who wrote into us o over the last few episodes. Um, one was about our our um, coverage of the MacBook Pro. And we just wanted to say, we, rec we recorded our podcast about the MacBook Pro, the new MacBooks um, and Mac Mini right after the announcement. So there, nobody had had any hands-on reviews yet. And there was a lot of reason to be concerned about um, the M1s and maybe to be a little cautious about buying. We are gonna get into a lot of the positive reviews that have come since then and we'll, we'll be modifying our recommendations. <laughs> um, but we still stand by the fact that there, <laughs> it was probably good to wait and see what the early reviews were. So uh, Greg wrote in and he said, I was contemplating giving my 2019 MacBook Pro to my son for school and buying a new MacBook Pro with the M1 chip until I listened to your latest podcast. The CTO guest and your follow-up swayed my opinion and I'm so thankful for your efforts and information. Keep up the great work. Best regards, Greg F. Um, thanks for writing in, Greg. I hope you're listening today too because we're going to um, tell you about some of the positive reviews of the MacBook and we'll see whether or not that sways your purchase decision. Uh, Jim also wrote in to us, hi, Donna, happy Thanksgiving. I love iPhone Life uh, magazine. What about me? <laughs> oh, sorry, David. <laughs> I celebrate I Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just special. Mm, yeah, it's true. Um, I hope you can convince me that I made the 
the decision correctly in purchasing the iPhone 12 Pro. I had an iPhone XR for two years. I debated which iPhone 12 I should get. Um, I considered the Pro Max, but realized that once the pandemic's over and we're out and about again, it would probably be too big for my pocket. I got my wife the regular 12 and I got the Pro, and I got the Pro. I am a little disappointed. I like the fact that the iPhone 12 is a little lighter. I would have bumped up the 12 to 128 gigabytes if I decided to get that. So I figured that for $140 difference, I might as well get the Pro. I've noticed the screen brightness isn't great. So I've been trying to adjust that and my phone does get hot at times during the day. I put my own screen protector on, which was kind of interesting because I've never done it. And I, um, and he bought an ultra thin case and he asked me, do you put a case on your pro? Uh, what about a screen protector? Please convince me that I made the right decision <laughs> other than the camera. I'm hoping there's a few other features I will really enjoy best Jim. So yeah, wow, that's a, a lot to cover there. <laughs> there's a lot to cover there. I mean, the first thing is, I do think that the 12 Pro is a great device, but it does depend on what device you're upgrading from on whether or not you can really make a case for whether or not it was worth it. You know, like yeah. if you have an older device and you you get the 12 Pro, then you're getting sort of a, a few features that you, that, that you haven't been able to have for a while. You're getting a way better camera with more lenses. Uh, you're getting, you know, a faster processor and better quality display and all that. Now with the 10R, I had I never had the 10R. I had the iPhone 10, um, but I still think it is a a pretty significant upgrade. Like your display quality is going to be better. I, I was surprised that Jim said that his he his screen is like not as bright because yeah. to me when I when I upgraded to have um, the OLED display, I I found a huge improvement in that, and that that alone was almost worth the update. So I, I have a couple thoughts. Um, first of all, Jim, I believe you made the right choice. <laughs> That's the choice I would have made. Um, I. In terms of the brightness, I'm wondering, the iPhones now have auto-adjusting brightness. Um, I love that feature because if you're in a, if you walk from a low light situation to a bright situation, let's say you're in your house, then you walk outside, it'll adjust for you and there's less eye strain. But it sounds like what might be happening is your personal preference for screen brightness is different than what Apple's is. So you may actually want to go into your settings and turn off the auto adjust feature and then you can kind of have it bright because I, my feeling is it's the problem is not that the OLED display is not capable of brightness. I think it's just your, your preference is different than what Apple thinks it is. Um, second of all, I'm looking here at the weight and it, you are right, and I actually hadn't realized it, that the weight of the iPhone 12 Pro is 6.6 .6 ounces, whereas the iPhone 12 is 5.78 ounces. Um, so it is different. That being said, it's, it's less than an ounce difference. So <laughs> I feel like there might be some uh, subjectivity to it, maybe some buyer's remorse there, because I, I doubt that you're holding them and really feeling that the heaviness that much. I think it's a pretty marginal difference. Um, I do personally, as Donna was saying, I think that a over time, you'll have to email us back again and tell us what you think over time, because I think over time, I have found that I appreciate the 
upgraded features more and more, such as the screen. Um, it's one of those things that when you first get it, it looks nice, you're like, whatever. But over the, over the course of the lifetime of the phone, every time you go to read, it's just a little bit clearer, a little bit less eye strain, text looks crisper, and that matters. Um, and I think that you know, especially once the pandemic is over and you're taking a lot of photos of presumably your friends, your family, you're going to really enjoy having that nicer camera because it is a dramatically nicer camera. That's my two cents. And the fact, um, another thing is I really like the design of the 12 Pro, the flat edge design instead of the rounded, because you really do get like more screen for in a smaller device. Mm. And I just find myself like, even using Apple Apple Fitness Plus, the the um, video workouts on my iPhone, I found like was doable. And like the more you're able to like have a media device that you can like watch videos on that it can fit in your pocket is really great. And so I think that's another thing I really like about it. Also, one thing that Jim didn't mention was 5G. I don't oh, know, yeah. um, Jim, where you live, but depending on where you are, you're going to be getting access to 5G networks and you're gonna be experiencing um, a lot like faster download speeds if you're downloading media, just in general, um, faster internet connection. So I think, or you know, cellular data connection. I think that um, that's also something that's gonna be getting better over the next year or two. So I, if I were you, I'd probably hold on to your 12 Pro for the next couple years and you'll be getting good use out of it because that 5G feature, I'm in an area that has 5G in Florida, but it's still just very unpredictable and intermittent. Um, so most of the time, I'm not noticing my phone being any faster at all. Um, a, a couple a couple last things here. Number one, I think Jim's buyer remorse is not that he bought a new phone, but that he bought the 12 Pro instead of the 12. So just to clarify, 5G is across all of the iPhone 12 line, correct? Yes. Okay. So either any of the new iPhone 12s will have 5G. Uh, second of all, just to answer your other question, I always have a case and a screen protector on my phone. The phones have just gotten too expensive, especially the pros where the OLED displays are more expensive to fix if your screen does break. The back is still glass, so I believe, right? The, black, the back is glass. So the back is it's, glass and like the whole ceramic shield thing they have on the display. It's not going to still, it's not good enough that you can drop your phone and be fine. Yeah. And it's really expensive. Once you switch to OLED displays, replacing your display is $250. So you don't so, want to mess with that. Yeah. And, and I actually later, I have a screen protector recommendation, but I actually think screen protectors are one of the more underrated accessories. I think everybody should have them and most people don't. Okay, last question, Agreed. and then because we actually have a really long podcast today. I know. When you have 5G, how is it, Donna? Is it like dramatically better? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, my experience has been, it'll tell me, like every once in a while I notice that it says 5G in the status bar on my iPhone. I've noticed no difference. Oh, that is so depressing. I mean, it's like in general, the, the thing is, is that 4G is pretty good. Like, so my phone is fast, but I'm not noticing that much of a difference. And I think what it is, is that right now, as they're building out the 5G support with different networks, like it's just, I almost think like, it seems like my phone is almost confused at times. Like it'll say, it'll be like almost slower or something. And I don't know, this is totally <laughs> anecdotal. I don't know if it's like, my phone is trying to connect to both 
to different networks and it's not quite, it doesn't seem like it's worked out yet. I I do think, and I'm a little bit hazy on these details, so I'm sorry, but I do think that there is different things that the carriers are calling 5G and yeah. carriers are trying to be aggressive with what they're considering 5G because everybody likes to feel like they have 5G. I think there's ranges and I think that like the fastest most official 5G is really really fast but there's some people like there's some kind of slightly faster networks that they're claiming is 5G and is not quite 5G. The same thing happened with 4G as well where there was a period of time where they were claiming that like 3G was 4G for some technical reason that just made no sense. Yeah, like one of our writers, Colin Thomas, just wrote a full article on 5G that that I was just editing last week, and um, it was a, a similar takeaway where it's it's even places that have the highest speed 5G, like there's low, medium, and high band 5G, and uh. most five most of what they're calling 5G now is low band, which isn't going to be that much faster, even though it is faster than 4G. The high band 5G is what you hear people talking about that's like these amazing blazing fast speeds. Um, but that's mainly only available in areas like, you know, sports arenas or things like that where there's no walls or trees or anything obstructing because high band 5G can't like get through, um, it like can't penetrate walls. And so it's just very rare that you're gonna have that and it's only within small areas that you will. And I haven't, I don't. I guess I have not experienced high band 5G yet. So I still think of like getting a 5G iPhone is still more of an investment in the future. And yeah. so I think I'll, I'll wanna like hold on to this phone for a couple years and I'm sure by next year um, we'll be having, experiencing more of the benefits of 5G. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm glad I'm glad to verify our subjective experiences with there is like low, medium, best 5G. <laughs> and they're calling it all 5G. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, we need to so move on. We got to so much to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to news. So let's first talk about um, Apple released uh, three new Macs. We've got the Mac Mini, a 13-inch MacBook Air, and a 13-inch MacBook Pro. And they all contain Apple's own chip called the M1 and this is Apple this is a big change because Apple used to use or in the rest of its Mac still uses Intel processors and now they're building their own processor so this is like basically a whole new brain for your computer and so it's a big deal and we were skeptical or cautious about um, telling people to go and necessarily buy these new Macs right away when we weren't sure there might be some some um, problems with it early on. So we want to do a follow-up and talk about that. <laughs> and part of why we want to do a follow-up is we advise people to wait. And now we are seeing the reviews. And as Donna has alluded to, they're pretty good. Uh, the reviews really so good. far have, have actually been much better than I expected, which probably came across <laughs> when we were talking about it. Um, and so, yeah, the reviews are essentially the battery life as we expected is excellent. But what we also are learning as we're getting third-party benchmark reviews is that it actually is significantly faster. Um, so the processor is faster and most importantly, because this is something we are really worried about, not only is it faster, but there largely is compatibility with third-party software. Um, I would imagine there still are a few notable exceptions to that, but Photoshop has released 
uh, a version that works on the M1 processor. Uh, Google Chrome works. Also, Apple, if you remember, has a software called Rosetta Stone 2. Is that what it's called? Rosetta right. Stone? There's no, no stone. There, I think there's you're no stone. Of the, of the language <laughs> teaching. <laughs> Well, but I'm, I'm, no, I'm thinking of the literal Rosetta Stone from Egypt, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, just Rosetta is the software, and what it does is it translates the software from, software that only works on Intel processors, it translates it so it can still run on your M1, and that has gotten good reviews as well, that it works well, and we were unsure that it would. Yeah, I know, and that that it was reassuring enough to me that I actually am getting the new 13-inch <laughs> MacBook Air, and so are two other people on our team. So that just shows, you know, our confidence now that we'll be able to do our jobs well on these new devices. Um, so for what that's worth, yeah, to me, what really shifted was knowing that the Rosetta 2 software works, or you know, translation software works really well because. The last thing I would want was to get a new computer and not be able to run the software that I need to do my job on it. But um, like, or the early tests have shown that I think you go through a few second setup process for each app that you open using Rosetta the first time you use it. Uh, and then after that, like it won't run as fast as, as apps would that have actually been built for the M1 but that for the most part, you won't really notice any difference. And hopefully over the next year or so, more apps will actually build, more developers will actually build versions of their apps for the M1. But in the meantime, it seems like Rosetta 2 is working really well. So that's yeah, cool. So, um, so a, a couple things there. Number one, with this new information that uh, it is fast, um, I think I would like to go ahead and revise my buyer recommendation to say, I would, we're certainly we're recommending people buy it because we're buying it for ourselves in the office. I would personally recommend avoiding Intel-based Macs right now because I think that the M1 and Apple's own uh, chips are, are the future. And so if you're buying an Intel-based Mac, uh, then you're sort of dating yourself in terms of the support you're going to get down the road. And Apple's, this they came out with a few Max, but there's a lot more coming. I think there's a, a 16 inch MacBook Pro coming. There's rumors of maybe late 2021, early 2022, some more Pro line like the iMac coming. So, and, unless you really need a computer uh, and you don't want the 13 inch, because I personally don't like the 13 inch, like I, I wouldn't buy a computer right now personally. But uh, in, if you really need a computer, obviously, I think the Intel processors are still fine. But I, I, our, my personal recommendation is to only buy Apple chip Macs because you're kind of future-proofing it then. And computers you only buy once every five or so years. Yeah, at the most. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and I, I also do prefer the larger displays. 13 inches is a little bit small. Um, but I, I think that... One of the things we didn't really talk about in our previous episode too, that's a huge benefit of these new MacBooks is that the MacBook Air doesn't even come with a fan anymore because yeah. the M1 is able to run <clears throat> so efficiently. Not only does it greatly improve your battery life, but it also doesn't run hot. And like 
I'm sure a lot of you have experienced, MacBooks can get really hot, some of the older mm -hmm. ones, like to the, to the point that it's so hot that you can't even really hold or like comfortably sit with it on your lap. And so the fact that the new Macs don't, MacBooks don't have that situation is pretty awesome. The MacBook Air, do, MacBook Pro does have a fan in it because it's built to um, have like heavier task loads over a longer period of time. So it will heat up a little bit and need a fan. But I'm really excited about that personally, to have the MacBook Air, the super thin device with a great battery and it doesn't heat up. Like that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, but the, the one funny thing is the thing that we were potentially the most excited about in the original podcast is actually not getting very good reviews, which is the iPhone and iPad app, right, Donna? Yeah. So I know we were like, all these things seem problematic, except that it's really cool. <laughs> you can run iPhone and iPad apps on, you know, on your Mac. But um, apparently the user experience is pretty terrible for running iPhone and iPad apps on your Mac. Now, basically, with the new M1 Max, when you open the App Store, it'll tell you whether um, apps are built for the Mac or they were built for the iPhone or iPad, and you can install them and use them on your Mac. But, um, like, basically, a lot of app developers haven't spent any time to create a nice user experience for iPhone and iPad apps on the Mac, and there's no way to really know. So, like. There are a few apps that have thought it through and work well, but the rest of them are pretty terrible. And there's not like there are millions of apps on the app store. So how are you supposed to know which are the good ones? And so you might end up wasting a lot of time. The other thing that um, I think The Verge wrote um, wrote about this, and I really agree with, is that they're making app developers go through the process of figuring out how to run apps that are built for touch displays and to have like ways to use it on your Mac. So you have to convert it like, you know, what do you do on your keyboard or trackpad instead of tapping your display? Why not instead build Macs that have touchscreens? If they really <laughs> want to run iPhone and iPad apps on your Mac, why not do that instead of like you have to learn these other ways to use the app on your Mac? It seems a little bit like if they're going to take this step and they're trying to unify the experience that the MacBooks should just have touch displays. I think they will. I think we're entering a new era for Apple where we're going to start seeing more hybrid type devices, like in kind of like we see with. Um, with Microsoft, where you have the, what's it called, the Slate? The Microsoft Surface, uh, that yeah, surface. it's sort of like a computer and a tablet in one. I think we'll start seeing more devices like that. The answer, funnily enough, is Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs had a really, really strong opinion that it was an awkward user experience to have a touchscreen on a laptop. And I think the legacy of that, the contradicting of Steve Jobs is something that's really hard for Apple to do and they've held out but I, I think they I think they're only going to hold out for so long <laughs> I agree because I mean we have the Apple Pencil and Steve Jobs made fun of styluses yeah styli I don't know <laughs> um, so yeah I but I thought like because Apple still does seem to be moving the direction of merging its operating systems more and more it seems like a matter of time even though they've like held a line on that for a long time. I so agree. We'll I do want to just take a minute to address sort of the more meta point of this because we did get, we did get a few angry emails from people uh, as we were saying telling everybody to hold off and then the reviews came in and they're really good. I personally it's something that I want to start doing more of just to warn you all. Um which is 
I think that there's time and place to hold off for a little while. Um, either when Apple releases a new operating system, there's a lot of times where you want to wait to make sure it's not buggy. If Apple is taking a risk and you are using the device for critical things in your life, you sometimes want to let early adopters take that risk first. So that's kind of what our stance is as a company is we sort of have three tiers, either like this is really safe, this is great, go do it. This is not safe, we don't recommend buying it. And we do sometimes recommend against buying products that are Apple products. So we are actually not affiliated with Apple uh, and we do our best to cover these as honest journalists and tell you if you shouldn't buy an Apple product or we don't like it. But there is that middle ground, and I, so I don't, I, I don't want people to be upset at us when we tell you to hold off, uh, and then it turns out to be good because that's part of the process. And so we're trying to kind of help you to make the best decision in that moment, and we will revise it over time. As journalists, it, it's an, it's there's no winning this one because you know if we tell people, if we always tell people to buy Apple products, then we don't have honesty as as a source you can trust but we are of course catering towards apple enthusiasts so if we say don't buy an apple product then people who are enthusiastic feel insulted and if we tell people to hold off and then it turns out to be good then people get angry so we can't win this but all we can do is at least share our thought process with you all <laughs> yeah and it was, like david said it was based off what we knew at the time because the the early benchmarks weren't out yet yeah since, since they just been announced um all right, shall we move on to Apple Fitness Plus? Yes. So um, I'll just, for those of you listening who don't know about it or haven't been following Apple that much this fall, um, a while, a few months ago, Apple announced that it would be coming out with a, a fitness service called Apple Fitness Plus. It costs $9.99 a month, um, or you can, buy it with an Apple One subscription, which gives you a bunch of Apple services for $29.95 a month. And um, basically it's like workout videos and you can play it on your Apple TV, your iPhone or your iPad. And it requires that you use it with your Apple Watch. Um, and so how this works is that your Apple Watch will, will, like fitness metrics will show up on the video display and it will motivate you to close your activity rings for the day. And it will also show you like how your heart rate zone compares to other people who've done the workout to motivate you to do more. Um, so it's like, it's a pretty cool fitness service. I tried it out this morning and um, liked it pretty well. But yeah, I guess, first of all, like, have you, David, used any of the competing apps out there? Yeah, because and I'm... I'm actually pretty excited about this. I had, unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to try it out this morning, um, but I am very excited about it because I used the Peloton app for a while um, because I go to the gym, or I did until COVID, and they had stationary bikes, so I didn't feel the need to buy myself a full Peloton bike, but I also really enjoy doing spin, and it was a really nice experience. I just propped my phone up in front of the bike, and it would just go take me through a spin class, basically, and that's not something that I can really do. I'm not good at, like, doing that on my own. I'm not, like, 
doing hills by myself without somebody guiding me sort of a thing. So I really enjoyed that. I also would sometimes do yoga through it or other other types of workouts. And so I'm excited for it because I, of course, have an Apple Watch. And I do really like the feedback mechanism or the idea of having that feedback mechanism in my workouts where it can kind of guide my workout based on what my heart rate is. So I'm excited about it. Um, what was your experience, Donna? So I, I liked it. I'm okay. also excited about it. In general, I am coming from the perspective of not loving home workouts. I really yeah. thrive off of the social element of workout classes and um, sort of that motivation and not having to like think about it at all. You just show up and the coach helps you. And so I have a little bit more resistance to it in that way. But um, I do think the fact that it's tied in with the Apple Watch is great. Like it's annoying for people who don't have the Apple Watch. For me, it's interesting. I was reading online that you like have to have the Apple Watch, like even on Apple's site, it's like the Apple Watch is required. But for me, it was letting me still play workout videos without connecting to the watch. It's just not gonna have that like extra element of showing you your activity. Um, so anyways, I thought I would put that out there that I was from what I can tell, you, you can play the videos. If you wanna pay for Apple Fitness Plus and like play the videos without wearing your watch, you can do that, it's just gonna be a more limited experience. Um, to me, I think what what makes this um, more appealing as a home workout for people who prefer the gym is that it does, it, it like has an element of a coach there in that it's motivating you to hit your activity goals and to like compete with uh, other people who've taken the class because it shows you like how, other, how, how much of a workout other people are getting so I think it's cool in that way. The things that I don't like about it is I didn't try Peloton, but I know that Peloton does have like live classes and you can actually see other people who are watching non-live videos. Like you can see the um, workout metrics of other people who just happen to be watching that video at the same time. So it gives you more of that like live class experience, uh, which David, did you do any of the Peloton's live classes? I didn't. Uh, in general, I was I was getting ready to say I didn't care that much that it didn't have live mm. classes because it's like I the benefit of an app is you don't have to time your schedule around something that's live and you know there's, there's COVID of course which means I wasn't going to attend live classes but in general if I'm going to take the time to plan my schedule around a live class I'm going to go to a real live class I'm not going to like do Peloton um, except so, for COVID though for COVID yeah. it's, a, it's a little different like having a live class of like a cool instructor that's something you're excited about and looking forward to might hook you in I'll have to see because I did like definitely part of Peloton's whole thing is like their instructors and they they have people with big personalities. They're like singing along to the songs and doing playlists and you st you pick you end up with your favorite instructors. So there is some of that that because they are live, even though I'm watching the recording later, I'm probably benefiting from. But in general, I didn't feel like I cared that much about the liveness of it all. Um, mm -hmm. But I, again, I'll have to try it and report back in the next episode. Yeah, I think overall this is something I will definitely incorporate into my workout routine. Um, I have an Apple One subscription with my family, so it's pretty affordable, and so it's part of the package, so it's sort of like I might as well use it. I don't know if I didn't have an Apple One subscription if I'd wanna pay $10 a month for this um, because I know it's not gonna be my sole method of working out. Like, I like doing other things too. Yeah. Um, the things that I think about it, like they do have 
a lot of variety. You can do workouts that require no gear. You can do cycling or um, you know, rowing or treadmill or things like that. If you happen to have things like that at your house or using it at the gym. So there's a lot of options. Uh, I definitely think I did the dance workout this morning and it, it's like cheesy, to, you know, <laughs> and the, the instructors are, so far I have an, a couple instructors I like. It seems like it still has that same Peloton thing where you can find favorite instructors and like filter by that and sort of feel connected that way, which is cool. Um, but I don't know, like there's something sometimes about Apple's services similar to their announcement vibes where it feels a little cheesy and like wannabe or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like they're really trying to be cool, but like aren't really. Apple doesn't pull off cool very well. And so it's kind of falls into the category of some of their other Apple services where they're copying another service, but doing it in like a little bit of a, like, I don't know, you know, like it seems like this is a Peloton wannabe. Yeah. But the upside is that it really ties into all of Apple's ecosystem. So probably I'll use that instead of Peloton. But like also you can't listen to music with swear words in it. Like it's just interesting. Like I feel like there's something about it that feels a little like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, definitely that does. I mean, Apple in general, it's a tricky one when they branch into more artistic areas because the same problem with like the Apple shows is they only wanted to do family-friendly shows. And, you know, at some yeah. point you're like, yeah, but sometimes I want to watch a non-family-friendly thing. Um, yeah. How much, my main question though is, did you find the the synchronization with the Apple Watch helpful? Was that like, did that add a layer to your workout that you wouldn't have had otherwise? Because that's my kind of hope for it. It's sort of the whole like theory orange idea where like you're basing your workout by keeping your heart rate in a certain level and having that feedback on the screen and potentially catering the workouts to that sort of thing. That all really appealed to me, but did it work in, in function? So I had higher, I thought they were gonna do more with that than they have, at least so far. It shows you your rings on the display. So it's like there's a motivation of being like, I'm closing my rings. And it shows you what your heart rate is. It doesn't have anything like heart rate zones. Mm. And that's what like um, Orange Theory does really well is it has like a section about halfway or three fourths of the way through the workout where it really pushes you to like, get into like your highest heart rate yeah. zone. And I thought that's what this workout was gonna do and it doesn't. What it does have, which it di didn't show up when I did my core and dance workout this morning, but something called the burn bar. Um, and it shows you like other people who've taken the class and how you are comparing in terms of how many calories you've burned compared to what other people are burning or have burned. So that seems like the closest thing that will be like, work harder than you're working. Burn more calories, what be, are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but like one, it didn't, I didn't, no burn bar showed up for me. And the other thing is like, it's still not really doing heart rate zones or letting you compete against yourself. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that that's something that maybe, you know, this is, they just came out with Fitness Plus. They'll probably be developing it more over time. Yeah. But yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Let's make this our question of the day. Have you tried Fitness Plus? Will you try it? What do you think of it if you did? Or why did you not try it? If Or, or why are you not interested if you're not? There's a lot of nested questions there. But let us know your thoughts on Fitness Plus. Uh, send us yeah. an email at podcast at iphonelife.com.
a little insight into my how my brain works, my like nested bullet pointed lists that I'm always <laughs> making in my head. <laughs> you know, David, you're probably overwhelming people. Oh, I'm no. sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really curious to hear what you all think of Fitness Plus. Um, I would say overall, I, I would give it like a B. <laughs> but like and you I'll said, be using it. I'm going to be and it's also I only used it one morning. I'm curious at its ability to keep me hooked in over time and like if it'll successfully become a my, part of my workout routine. So I think we should do a follow up in like a month and once you've had time to use it too and talk, talk more about it. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, this is Apple's first foray into it. It's been a day like they will presumably add more functionality over time that may improve it. Yeah. Okay, let's talk holiday theme. Oh man, we are. Yeah, I know. This is a marathon because we missed you guys, so we just packed this episode. <laughs> I know, and we—it's the last episode before the holidays, so we couldn't leave you guys without some of our holiday app and gear recommendations. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you want to give your yours first, David? Sure. I have one that is. This is a fun one because it is both a potential gift but also just a cool use case for the holidays. I was showing off to Donna yesterday, and that is a smart plug. Um, I personally recommend a Belkin Wemo smart plug. Uh, it's, I think, $25. I actually got it for Black Friday for like $15, so it was a really good deal. The main thing I recommend if you get a smart plug is to get one that is HomeKit compatible. Um, because then you can sync it with your other devices, you can create automations. And so what I did that was really uh, useful was I plugged it into the lights on my Christmas tree. So now I can have it so that the Christmas tree automatically, the lights automatically turn off at eight o'clock when we go upstairs and stop looking at it and turns on in the morning. Um, and that's not only useful because it's fun to make sure that we have the Christmas tree on during the day, it also I am told, I haven't fact checked this, but I'm told that it's a potential fire hazard, that trees get dry and the lights, if you just leave them on all the time, can create a spark that can start a fire. So it's a nice safety thing. Um, also, you can, with the smart plug, you can just say, hey Siri, turn off my Christmas tree and it'll just turn off. Um, I showed Donna yesterday and she was irrationally impressed by that. <laughs> There's something very satisfying about it. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I found some other, I, I actually want to spend a minute talking about smart plugs because I think smart plugs, if you do one smart home thing, I think smart plugs are a really good entry into smart homes. Um, basically how they work, if you don't know, I probably should have started with this, is it's a plug that can be turned on and off remotely. And so you can use your phone to turn this plug on or off and you can create rules around it that will turn it on or off. And so it can turn a normal gadget into a smart gadget. Um, so a couple of use cases that I found for it in addition to the one that I just say, said, the Christmas tree, for some reason I tend to have these use cases only be in the winter, but I have one for my humidifier. So I have it in my room that at night my humidifier automatically kicks in and then in the morning it automatically turns off so that I don't uh, have, there's kind of problems with humidifiers either way where you either forget to turn it off and it's just running all day and you end up with this like puddle by your, <laughs> by your humidifier um, or you forget to turn it on at night and then you don't get the benefit of a humidifier. So that I've, uh, having that programmed, I really enjoy. Um, 
And the last one that I have is I have it plugged into a few space heaters around my house. So for example, what happens in my house is at seven in the morning, my humidifier in my room turns off and then the space heater in my bathroom turns on. So I walk in the bathroom and it's a warm bathroom. I feel like all of those are awesome use cases. And what is a smart plug? Like $25 or something? Yeah, it's not too expensive. Um, so it, it makes a great stocking stuffer. Again, that's Belkin Wemo Smart Plug. Um, and the one caveat I, I will make, it's this weird thing where not all accessories will work with smart plugs. And it, weirdly, it tends to be the cheaper accessories that work better. The reason is some accessories, for example, in the summer, I'll plug it into a fan. If I, I have a pretty expensive fan that in, if I turn the fan on and then I unplug the fan and plug it back in, the fan is intelligent enough to not automatically be turned on, which is nice if you wanted to program, use the fan to program it yourself, but completely ruins the functionality of a smart plug. So you do sort of want to test out your accessory that you're buying it for ahead of time. And to test it out, you basically turn it on, uh, manually unplug it and plug it back in and see if it'll turn on when you do that because <laughs> otherwise uh, you can't use it with an accessory um, but yeah uh, it's 25 bucks you can get some cheaper ones I believe uh, make sure you get one that's HomeKit compatible but that's my like favorite gift slash kind of winter accessory awesome all right is it my turn yeah your turn that was a long one but uh, my other ones are short yeah. I promise <laughs> Cool. Yeah. So I wanted to give you a few um, gift idea recommendations. Uh, I think that the I'm sure Apple planned it this way, but releasing the HomePod mini right around the holidays, it's priced at a point that it's a great holiday gift for someone. Uh, I just thought I would bring mine out and show you for those of you watching the video podcast. I've had my HomePod mini for a little over two weeks now, and it is $99. While I don't think that it's a perfect device. Like I still think that there are some issues with the HomePod mini. I've really been enjoying it overall and think that most people that you know who like Apple are gonna like having a HomePod mini. Hmm. It's, I have it stationed in my kitchen, been using it to like listen to the news, timers, um, speakerphone, things like that. Um, and, and it's pretty awesome. Although I was gonna say, if you care more about audio quality and want something with like a little more power, for the same price, you can get the Ultimate Ears Wonder Boom, which is a little bit bigger than this, uh, and it's a waterproof speaker. It's also portable, like all smart speakers, you have to have plugged into the wall, so you can't just like grab and go with it. Um, and I think for that same price, you get a lot better sound. So those are sort of like my two mini speaker recommendations if you're looking for a holiday gift. Uh, yeah, a couple thoughts there. Um, number one, I've been a I've been an advocate of the HomePod for a while now, and I, I'm a little bit in the minority, so that's why I keep voicing this because people talk about Alexa as being kind of the be all end all of smart speakers, and Alexa has been around longer. They have a little bit more advanced technology in terms of especially in terms of having third party apps. But if you are an Apple user, if you have an iPhone, the integration with Siri to me is so much better than having an Alexa speaker. So I do really want to push people towards, I, I think you'll have a much better experience with a HomePod than you will with an Alexa smart speaker um, because of those integrations. Um, I also have a speaker from UE that I was going to recommend, which is around, it's a little bit more expensive. It's the UE Boom. Um, 
and it's again it's a very different use case it's portable it's bluetooth it's um it's a little bit more expensive than the one Donna was saying, so it's a little bit bigger, has a little bit nicer sound quality, but you pay a little bit more for it. Um, that's it's for like two, it, it's around two hundred, right? I, I don't think so. I think it's like one fifty. I should have I should have checked that. Sorry, I'll check it as I'll, you I'll check do on your it. next one. Um, but yeah, it's a very different use case. So think it through because one is if you just have this in one room in your house, definitely the HomePod Mini is the way to go, in my opinion, uh, because you get a smart speaker for the same price and the sound quality is. How is the sound quality on the Mini, by the way? So I was very happy with it to listen just to like easy listening music when I'm yeah. cooking dinner or podcasts. It's great for that. Speakerphone, it works well. Today, when I was using Apple Fitness Plus, I was playing like my hip hop workout music mm. through it and was so disappointed. Just it's like, you know, for a speaker this size, you can't really expect much. And it sounds great for its size, but you're not going to get like satisfying bass or very loud, like also knowing Apple, they they weren't gonna let the volume go higher, like too high to the point where it would distort, yeah. which I appreciate in a lot of ways, but yeah, it, you, it doesn't really get that loud. Yeah. Um. So I think it's great for, yeah, if you're having like a dinner party with a few people or it's just for your own personal listening to have like in your bedroom or the kitchen or something like that, then it's actually pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, it's not gonna, for like a party or any if you just you want to listen to music with bass and actually feel it like you're not going to get that from a speaker this size yeah then you got to go with the the real deal home pod probably yeah okay donna what um, are some of your other ones so so yeah so um i think the home pod mini makes a great gift i just wanted to say i agree with you david that for things like now that apple came out with um multi-user support they have voice recognition on the home pod mm -hmm. so you can send texts and you can make calls and have it just come connect to your apple id and only make calls or send texts from your device and so that is really great now and like i have an amazon echo and i don't send messages or make calls through it uh, it's not it's not as easy and so i think that is really great what's annoying to me is just that it doesn't let me play music from spotify uh, it doesn't give me a variety of different news sources to play news briefs from. It's just like very, like Apple, I think needs to build out more support that like I'm used to having with the Amazon Echo. Those yeah. are the things that bothered me. And I think they need to have their own HomePod app. Yes, I completely agree on everything you said. They need their own HomePod app and Apple and Spotify need to be better friends because I want to listen to my Spotify. I want to use voice for it. I don't like Apple Music. Stop making me try to use Apple Music. <laughs> exactly. Okay, moving right along. Um, I think the AirPods Pro or even the older AirPods, regular AirPods that are, you can start at 159 for regular AirPods also are awesome gifts. Yeah. Like, you don't even need the Pro. I have the second generation AirPods and I love them. Um, and I think that like anyone I know who uses them find them to be so great. They're really comfortable. They're, um, they connect so well to Apple devices. They're, you can use them in a lot of different situations, even like working out and running. 
Yeah, can I just echo that? Because I think there's this, the way Apple's branded it, there's just this sentiment that like the pros are of course universally better. And it's really a preference thing. I actually personally would never own the pros and I love my AirPods because for me, I find the fit a lot more comfortable with that, the like sealed fit in my ear. And also I want ambient noise when I'm walking around the house or when I'm working out, especially if I'm going for a run. I don't want noise cancellation. If I want noise cancellation i have larger headphones to use for that uh my partner has the pros she loves them i actually hate them because she will use them walking around the house and she can't hear us at all and so i'm always walking in the room and she'll either like jump because she's scared or i'm like yelling at her to take off her headphones so i do think that like especially now with the price being so affordable for the airpod instead of the airpod pros it's definitely a gift worth considering yeah, I know the AirPods Pro, my husband has them. It's funny that both of us fall into this camp. <laughs> I don't love being totally sealed in. Yeah. And he's been loving it because I have like video meetings all day at work <laughs> and he puts his, you know, noise canceling AirPods Pro in and doesn't have to hear me. Yeah. So that's great. I think it's a preference thing, like you said. Um, the sound quality is also a little better in the Pro, but they're also great in the regular. Um, few more recommendations for you. I think, uh, Usually we give you all these recommendations for big family get-togethers and most likely people aren't going to be doing that in the same way, at least with as many people as they usually would because of the pandemic. So I wanted to give people a few other ideas for getting festive. Um, recently, I tried out Uber Eats to send uh, a friend a holiday-themed Starbucks drink and pastry their house and I just wanted to say like if you're if you're wanting to like check in on someone who uh, you're not in the same location as them and you're not able to hang out because of COVID it's nice like you can send them a little treat using this um, Uber Eats and there are a lot of apps that do delivery like that but Uber Eats has Starbucks which that's also kind of like an inexpensive nice way to do this and you can just enter in the address of the person you want to send it to and set the delivery time and i was like amazed at just for spending like 15 bucks at how touched my friend was who i who i did that for so i think that's a, a fun idea i was thinking about doing that for my grandma over the holidays because we usually spend christmas together and aren't because of the pandemic and still let her feel you know loved and thought of that's a great idea. That's a great recommendation. Um, they have to live in a you know medium to large city, sadly. But yeah, that's a great recommendation. Yeah. I've, I've got a couple here. First of all, I have one more gift recommendation because I did promise I would recommend a screen protector. Uh, the Zag Vision Guard Pro would be the one I... It's the one I'm using. I personally... The main thing I recommend is I like the glass screen protectors. I think that those have a much nicer feel. They're a little bit higher quality. I've had good luck in terms of not having my screen break with them. Um, and uh, they have... This one is a higher quality glass. They have a special glass that is pretty... Uh, they claim is very unbreakable. I don't know. Uh, but the thing, there's a couple other things that make it unique. Number one, it's antimicrobial. Um, they haven't gotten FDA approval for claiming that it's <laughs> antimicrobial as in it prevents COVID, but they, it prevents viruses from sticking on your phone. So there's no reason to think it would not be effective for COVID as well. Uh, and they have this cool technology that actually blocks 
uh, blue light from coming through your phone, which is blue light is can be disruptive, especially at night, to your um, sleep patterns. It can create eye strain. It does make it a little bit more of a yellow tone on your phone, which some people don't like. Um, but I, I recommend it. I enjoy it. So that's a great gift. Again, that's a Zag Vision Guard Pro. Um, and I have uh, a couple other ones that are not gifts. Do you have some gifts you want to go over? And then I'll get into a few like holiday recommendations. Uh, the last gift I wanted to bring up was using Shutterfly to create photo books for people out of photos on your phone. I do think like one sad thing about technology is just like it's it is really nice to have printed out versions of your photos um, of like special moments with your family and friends. And uh, my parents have been using Shutterfly to create these photo books that they'll do every year, especially for my sister's kids that, you know, the first year of their life or whatever and create these photo books for them. And um, and so I wanted to put that out there. It's a little late in the game now, I guess, to be creating something mm -hmm. like that, but you might be able to get it shipped to you in time for the holidays. That's a great idea. So I've got a couple just staying in touch with people ideas um number one disney plus the disney streaming service has this cool functionality where you can do group watching uh and i've really? used this yeah it's fun i've used this a couple times where you basically you can invite people through the app uh and you can watch a movie together and if i pause it it pauses on yours and it keeps the movie synced um, and so you can do that and you can have what we've done is we've done that plus had like a FaceTime call going or a Zoom call so that we're just like chatting and watching a movie together. Um, and that's a really nice little way of I, I don't know. Personally, I find the like full family Zoom calls like painful and I try to avoid them not to be um, mean, but they're just hard to keep a conversation going with so many people and, and oftentimes you all who are listening are presumably pretty tech savvy or uh but oftentimes there's a lot of people who aren't and so you spend half the call with like either people with small children who don't know how to mute their zoom call and they're just screaming so no one else can hear anything or people dropping in and out so i like finding ways to connect with family that aren't just that <laughs> um and so this is a nice one is uh disney plus has that service I think a couple of the other streaming services do, but a surprisingly few of them have that functionality. Um, the last thing is because you can't all get together, our, uh, my partner's family is doing a Secret Santa where we're mailing each other gifts. Uh, and you can um, use a service that we usually use in the office for our Secret Santa called Sneaky Santa. It's free and basically it manages the whole Secret Santa process so that you don't have to have one person who knows everybody uh, who everybody has and also so that you can people can create little profiles because sometimes a Secret Santa you end up with somebody you don't know very well so you can create like a wish list on on your little profile it's free it's easy to use uh, if you're gonna do Secret Santa I would definitely recommend it I use that too nice. Sneaky Santa is the best yeah um, okay, what else, okay. anything else you have? That's pretty much it. I have a few um, Spotify music playlists for the holidays that I'm gonna include at iphonelife.com slash podcast for you all, including Charlie Brown Christmas and Frank Sinatra. I'm more into sort of the Christmas classics. So I was gonna say that. I also think you, um, the Winter Fireplace app is a free app yeah. that you can put on your Apple TV. If, you're not, if you don't have a real life fireplace, it creates that cozy vibe pretty well, I'd say. Like you could even, 
probably you need an Apple TV for it. Like you can put it on your iPhone or iPad, but that seems a little silly. <laughs> yeah, I definitely I think it's it's more effective with an Apple TV. I, I've, I always put it on though. It's fun. And it has yeah. like, it's in 4K and you can hear little crackles and you can choose between a few different fire options. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it, it actually creates a surprisingly like cozy environment. It seems yeah. like it would be cheesy, but it's not really. Yeah. Um, so I feel like between doing that and like lighting up a Christmas scented candle, like you can create an ambiance in your house without having to deal with a real fire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I think, you know, it's going to be an unusual Christmas uh, or holiday. You know, a lot of people are not celebrating Christmas necessarily, but holiday season, um, less in-person celebrating. And so we wanted to give you some creative ideas. Hopefully we did to still have it feel festive and fun. Yeah, and happy holidays, everyone. I know. Happy holidays, David. Happy holidays, Donna. <laughs> um, gosh, this we... a fun episode. Yeah, we, we got through it. We're an hour in. Um, so thanks, everyone, who stuck around. Hopefully, yeah. we, uh, it was a jam-packed hour. So hopefully, you all got some out of it. And have a great holiday. Please make sure to stay in touch with your family who is isolated. Uh, and yeah, we have our next episode coming right before the New Year. So we've got a New Year's-themed episode coming next. And insiders stick around. I I have a a little thing that I've discovered that I want to oh, tell you about. Oh yeah, I've got I've got some serious complaining to do just to warn okay. insiders. <laughs> All right, bye everyone. See bye. You in a weeks.